Welcome to the podcast for Refuge City Church. We hope that the message today blesses you and inspires you to be a refuge that embraces others. First of all, thank you to all of our congregation and those that may have uh, joined us online for our times of fasting. Last Sunday, I declared an all-church fast for four days. Um, last week, it was Tuesday and Thursday. This week, we are going to be fasting on Wednesday, um, which is Passover, and then Good Friday. So Wednesday and Friday, we will be having our all-church, all-internet um, fast. Those of you that are joining with us, it just doesn't have to be here in Refuge City Church. If you're, if you're connecting with us, as Pastor Jimmy just said a few moments ago, thank you so much for doing that. And we want you to join with us in prayer and fasting. There will be some ideas that will come up. Uh, throughout the day for you to connect with in prayer and fasting and uh, some other resources that we provided online. Throughout this last week, I have been, um, been inundated. I, I, I think that would be an accurate word with lots of questions from different individuals, from people of great faith that have served the Lord for, for a long, long time and, and for people that have been away from the Lord that are, that are questioning certain things. And questioning issues throughout this coronavirus. Questions like, how bad is this really going to get? How bad is the economic effects and social separation going to set us back? Is this the beginning of the end times? Are we at the start of the great tribulation? How do I really protect myself and my family? Is there going to be enough hospital availability and assistance for everyone? How do we stay connected in times when we're restricted from being connected? And how is the world going to look after this is all over? This morning with, uh, with a lot of those questions pending, a lot of those questions on the news, I felt that it was extremely relevant today to, to not necessarily answer all of those questions because to be truthful and honest with you, at this particular time there isn't an answer to those questions. But I've titled these thoughts this morning, Times of Questioning. Those times in our life when things begin to shift, when things begin to happen, and we don't necessarily have an accurate context or concept as to what's going on. Out of all of the chapters in the Word of God, I believe there's one. There's one chapter in its totality that in times of questioning, in times of of sorrow, in times when we don't exactly know know what's going to happen next. This chapter, I believe, if we would read it and we would um, digest it and we would reread it, I believe that it would give us that hope. It would give us that thrust. It would give us those promises that we need in the future to be able to walk in exactly that, to be able to walk in in peace, to be able to walk in hope, to be able to walk in authority. And that chapter is Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. So this morning, if, if you're somewhere where you can get your Bible out, you can get the Word of God out, I'd like you this morning to turn to Romans 8. Throughout this uh, message, it's going to be a little eclectic. I'm going to take um, portions of all of, the, 
all, all of Romans chapter 8 at different times, and I'm going to reveal those in other scriptures this morning, because to be very frank and honest with you, at this moment, we don't need opinion, we don't need speculation, we don't need man's ideas, we need the word of God like we've never needed the word of God before. We have to be in it, we have to be thoroughly consuming it, we have to be understanding it, and we have to be seeking availability to do that. Times of questioning, it never ceases to amaze me when people are in times of crisis or in times of questioning, how the depth of their understanding and their wisdom of Christ almost becomes visible upon them. In times of questioning and desperation, things that once didn't matter or were of less concern become things that that really, really matter and have great concern. Times of questioning, I believe, are are used to recalibrate and reprioritize people to what really matters and what is of utmost importance. Times of questioning bring back focus to things that's been neglected, been ignored, or carelessly put aside. I want to speak to you this morning. This is the time and this is the hour for those that have chosen to place God and the things of God on the back burner of your life to reposition that and reposition that very swiftly. God's giving people an opportunity to really come back and see that he is the way, he's the only way, and he is the one true way to the Father. Do not let this opportunity pass you by. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of grace. Today is the day of redemption. If you've ever heard me proclaim it with such intensity, with such volume, today is the day I want you to get this beyond all other days. Today's the day not to sit around in fear and not to sit around in anxiousness. Today is the day to to select today whom you will serve and to follow him with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your soul. Times, times of questioning. They happen to us all. They've actually happened independently. I know corporately all of the world is, as we've been, been seeing this thing unfold, all of the world have been dealing with the times of questioning right now. Some of the questions that I just listed off before you. But all of us, all of us at individual times in our life have faced those moments where we've questioned. Many of you may be watching and during those times of questioning God, during those times of trying to find answers, during those times of speculation, maybe your faith wavered. Maybe your thoughts towards God wavered and you pulled out or you pulled away or you got frustrated. I want to share with you this morning, this is the time to regenerate that. This is the time to reevaluate that. This is the time to not use the excuses of the reasons why you stepped away from God, hold you in bondage to the future and to the peace that God could bring you in the days ahead. Came across an illustration that I wanna, I wanna kinda bookend this message with this morning. It's an illustration that, that happened to a group of young men right after their graduation from high school. And I want you to listen to it this morning. When six young men graduated from Aloha High School in Beaverton, Oregon, they decided to celebrate their accomplishment and their friendships by taking a challenging hike. They set their sights on Mount Jefferson in the Oregon Cascades, all 10,495 feet of it. It was 
early July. It was a perfect day for a climb, and they had made it nearly to the top. The grassy slope had gradually turned into ice and packed snow, and they had only 400 feet left to go. The view from the top promised to be spectacular when all of a sudden Chris was near the top of the line of climbers and he stepped hard on a rock and he accidentally dislodged the boulder. The rock started to roll right at his friend Jonah and Jonah jumped out of the way but lost his balance in the process. He started to slip and slide tumbling down the icy mountain. The, rocky, the rock was chasing after him and finally caught up to him and glanced off the side of his head. Jonah was immediately knocked unconscious and his free fall down the mountain was unhindered. He disappeared over a ledge and Chris started after his friend knowing already that he had, he had an impossibly long way to go to get to him. For Jonah had, had fallen 900 feet down the mountain and landed in a crevice. His arm was broken like a matchstick, his face bloody, his skull showing the outward effects of a possible and very serious concussion. But amazingly, Jonah was still alive. Two of the teenagers immediately went for help. Two stayed to help Chris and Jonah out of the crevice and back to camp. The climb out was slow and dangerous. At times, they moved only a few inches. The ice picks had to, had to take a firm grip or the boys, without a doubt, would fall again. Jonah was was awake and trying to make it on his own, even in the midst of all of his pain. But after a, a little while, he slipped again and he started to fall. And right behind him, Billy grabbed his friend around the waist, thinking he could stop their fall. But they were both sliding down the ice again and rapidly approaching another ledge. Billy did all he could to slow the fall, but the weight of the two of them was simply too much. The decision, the decision. He could let go of Jonah and probably stop himself or he could disappear over the ledge with Jonah and, and possibly die. Billy held on to his friend and he wouldn't let go. I want to share with you, this is a time individuals will, we need, we need to hold on to one another like never before and not let go. Both of the teenagers disappeared over the ledge and fell almost 30 feet. They landed in a mountain stream, a stream that was rushing toward a waterfall. Billy and Jonah hit a boulder and the jolt separated them. Billy regained his bearings and he stood up in the stream and he saw Jonah dip underneath the water. The current was taking the injured teenager right for the waterfall. Then a hand came out of the water. It was Jonah and he slammed into another rock which finally stopped his progress. Billy caught up to his friend and he pulled him out of the water and, and took stock of the situation. Jonah's arm that had been broken now grotesquely had the bones sticking out of the skin. Both his face and head were covered in bruises and blood, even worse than before. By now, he couldn't walk at all. The afternoon gave way to night and the temperature was dropping below freezing. They were separated from their other four friends. Their clothing was soaked soaked with freezing water and one of them was, was horrendously and badly injured. They had reached the spot. They had reached the spot with major times of questioning. Those times of question of what do we do now? Had they not been so cold and desperate for help, perhaps they could have thought about the similarities that they had at that moment with young men like Moses and Daniel and Joseph 
Perhaps they could have experienced some strange sense of connection with Jesus himself who suffered a brutal beating just a few hours before he went to the cross. These young men were dealing with a serious situation that had lots of questions with no immediate answers in sight. You see, questioning can do that to us. It transforms us from the routine schedule of our lives into thinking about the eternal. Right now, that is what is happening around all the world. All of the routines, the normal routines of our life are being shifted and changed. And all of those things that we were comfortable in, all of those things that we felt like would never change or never be altered, and we could continue our lifestyles, we could continue the way that we were, doing the things we've always done, the same way we've always done them, all of that has rotated, and now eternity is in effect for so many people. It's in the times of questioning that we have a chance to learn a lot about ourselves. Right now, people are learning a lot about themselves. They're dealing with a lot of of questions in the area of if I had done things different in my life, if I hadn't stepped away from God, if I had enhanced God's presence and God's word more in my life, how, how much further would I be? Where would I be in life? Those are... Those are pertinent questions. Those are valuable questions. Those are questions that indeed should be pondered right now. Strangely enough, it's in times of questioning that we learn about the grace of God even more. You see, we're living in a time and an era of grace. It's a time of grace. Are we going to go into the tribulation that is yet to be unseen? Is this some type of awakening that God's trying to do to stir his saints back to a reality? I believe more so than ever before. I've been proclaiming it for years as many pastors have been proclaiming it and it is time for the people of God and every person to hear. It is a wake up call right now for us to get serious about our relationships with God and to choose not to falter and folly and find distractions and live in a time frame that separates us from the power and the presence of an almighty God. This is the day. This is the hour. This is the time to not let questions and divisions separate you from the grace and the mercy of a holy God. I want to give you two things this morning concerning times of questioning. And here's the first one. Times of questioning are universal. Times of questioning are universal. Chapter 8, verses 18 through 80, or through 38 go through that quite substantially, and we're going to go into that in just a few moments, but times of questioning are universal, meaning every single person around the globe, no matter creed, no matter color, no matter individual, all of us are going to hit a point in our life, and all of us now universally are doing that unlike any other time in all of history. We're having to answer questions, and it's affecting each and every one of us. One of the questions that's been asked is, is this, this, is this prophetic? Is there, is there something connected to this? And I can say to you unequivocally, absolutely, yes. If, if you've never read any chapter of the Bible, first of all, read Romans chapter eight and then re- read Matthew chapter 24. Jesus made this statement, as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the son of man. 
And there are two variables to that. Here's the first one. First of all, it was a time of debauchery. It was a time of of lewdness. It was a time where people did their own thing and and lived their own way of life. and, And they lived in deep, dark sin, not unlike where we've been right now. But the other thing about it is when that first raindrop fell, when the first waters begin to gush up from beneath the earth, for the first time in all of the world, all the world was affected by the flood. No time other, no time in all of history, no time the swine flu, the bird flu, World War I, World War II, they may have had an effect upon the world, but not all of the world was affected at the same time. This is the first thing since the days of Noah that is going to and has affected all of mankind universally. Do not think that that's coincident. Read Matthew chapter 24 for clarity. It is times of questioning that are universal to us all. Every one of us has questioned and has wondered what's happening. What's happening right now? What's God doing? What's going on? Times of questioning has had some attachment to everyone throughout time. Look at the life, as I just mentioned, of Noah, of Abraham, of Joseph, of David, of Isaiah, of Ruth, of Rahab, of Jeremiah, of Mary, Jesus' mother, of Paul, of Peter. And the greatest of all is Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane in times of questioning. In times of questioning and suffering, there's no better place of understanding than the words of Romans chapter 8, as I've indicated. Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to kind of give you a collage of of different scriptures, I'm going to call them out, and I believe they're going to be provided for you, but Romans chapter 8 verse 18 says this, for I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. I want to read that again, because I believe that is a catalyst verse of scripture for what we're dealing with and what is to come. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Verse 20 through 23 says this, for the, for the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated. It is time for us to walk in the liberation of what God has given us in his only begotten son, to be liberated from bondage to de- and to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. We groan inwardly, awaiting the adoption of the sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Verse 26, the spirit helps in our weakness with groanings that words cannot express. Verse 35, who or what, look at this, verse 35, who or what can separate us from the love of Christ can trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, warfare, anything, can anything separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing right now can separate us from that love. And verse 38, one of my favorite, death, life, angels, demons, present, past, future, fears, powers, height, depth, all the other things will not be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And all of the questions that we're universally answering around the world 
These segments of Romans chapter 8, I believe, gives us a good indicator of God's grace and mercy and hope and power and authority that's supposed to be upon us and resonate in us. Romans 8, in times of questioning, is the ultimate chapter in giving people hope and understanding in the wake of life's hardships, discomforts, and questions. Here's a quote that I would like to share with you that I think is profound. Giving hope is the calling of every Christian. Giving hope right now, right now, body of Christ, church abroad and Refuge City Church, right now, we need to partner with this like never before. Giving hope is the calling of every Christian. Since times of questioning are universal to us all, it's at these times we need to reevaluate where our faith and our hope really lie. Where does your faith and your hope really lie? Number two, times of questioning can draw you closer to God. Romans 8, 38 and 39 and 17. Uh, I want you to think about that. Right now, people are drawing closer to God than they ever have before. All of the things that once were of importance back in February and January, vacations, sporting events, um, the, what, whatever it was, school, graduations, weddings, whatever it was. A lot of people now are drawing closer to God than they ever have been before. People that were, according to Revelations chapter 3, lukewarm, they weren't totally away from God, but they definitely weren't totally connected to Him either. I want to share something with you. In times of questioning, it's your responsibility to draw closer to a holy God. According to the Bible, no matter how great the question or suffering you're going through, none of it will ever separate you from the love of God, verses 38 and 39. In fact, not only will it not separate us from the love of God, it can, if we let it, actually draw us closer to the love of God. This is a time to draw closer to the Father's love, to get the Father's perspective and the Father's understanding on what we're dealing with. I want to give you a few individuals in the Bible that had those moments of questioning, not unlike what we're going through even today, and they, they used it to draw closer to God. I look at the life of Moses, and Moses had to deal with loneliness and exile with a loss of purpose for his life as he murdered someone and ran out into the desert. But there, in all the questioning and conflict, very quietly standing next to a burning bush that was not being consumed, Moses gets to audibly hear the voice of God. I want to share with you right now, men and women of God, it is time for you to be connecting with God and asking for Him, asking for Him like He's never done before, to reveal Himself to you so you can hear Him. Just minutes after the exodus... It would seem Moses was trapped between the sea that would drown him and a lynch mob that would kill him. I spoke on this a few weeks ago. You can go back in the archives and listen to it. Or an army that wanted to execute him. But it was there and only there that Moses and the people saw the full disclosure of the grace and the mercy and the power of God when he comes upon his people. Later on, Moses met God in even deeper ways as he faced criticism and hardship and continual questioning of his leadership, from the clues, from the clues that we can see, the settings and the experiences that the Bible gives us, it looks to me that at those times, at those severe times of questioning, it's those times that Moses really encountered 
God. Listen to this. If you get anything from this, I want you to hear this. It's always in times of questioning that people find God the deepest. Hear this again. It's always in times of questioning, whether individually or what we're experiencing now corporately, it's always in times of questioning that people find God the deepest. It's time to go deep. It's time to go deep. Elijah is another case in point. Not long after his greatest moment of public ministry, he met God in the still quiet whisper on the mountain in the cave. But do you remember the setting? Elijah arrived at the mountain because he'd been running for his life. Jezebel wanted to kill him. And at the moment of, of this meeting with God, Elijah was, was more depressed, more discouraged, and filled with more questions than he'd ever been in his entire being. When Elijah met God, it was in the midst of major times of questioning. There was Joseph who waited through 13 years of hardship and even imprisonment before he had the first clue that all things were going to work for the glory of God. He even declared that to his brothers. What you meant for harm for me, God turned it around for his good and his glory. I look at people like Daniel in the midst of his suffering through intense, unanswered questions, life-threatening public pressure before he could see that the power of the Lion of Judah was greater than the power of the Lions of Babylon. I look at Mary and Joseph and how they had to suffer with family and community rejection before they could see the miracle of God laying in a manger. The examples travel it. They... they they, they saturate the word of God all the way from Genesis through Revelations. Listen to this. Times of questioning can draw us closer to God if we will choose to connect with him. Through times of questioning, we can become more like Jesus even when facing life-threatening situations. Next week, in more detail, we're going to deal with specific questions on this. But this morning, I, I want to ask this questions. Oh, this, this particular question, how did Jesus go through times of questioning and suffering? When Jesus dealt with those moments, what did he do? What did Jesus do? I saw three significant things in scripture that I wanted to leave for you this morning that I believe Jesus did and left for us as an example that we're to do to draw closer to God in times of questioning. Number one, Jesus was confident in the power of the Father. I want to tell you this morning, Church of God, I want to tell you this morning, RCC, it is time for us to be confident in the power of Father God, not to doubt, not to waver. It is time to stand steadfast. Having done all to stand, we will be confident in the power of our Father. Number two, Jesus was confident in the promises of his father. They were yea and amen. And I declare to you this morning, Refuge City Church, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his promises are true. His promises are true. And number three, when Jesus was in his time of questioning, he was confident in his mission of ministry through totally serving others for the glory of God. I want to say thank you to so many of you that's reached out to others right now to serve people, to be people of the towel, to reach out in this time and give glory to God. I was reading not too long ago and I came across an illustration that I thought was relevant concerning Romans chapter 8 and this question of grace that's pending for us. There was a prison chaplain speaking to a group of prisoners in a state prison during Holy Week, as, as we begin 
Kind of like as we begin right now, we're going into Holy Week. And as he was speaking to these inmates in prison, in this state prison on Holy Week several years ago, at one point he stopped his message and he paused and he looked across the vast men sitting there in uniform and he asked this profound question. Listen to the question that this man asked. He said, did, did you know, do you know who really killed Jesus? He asked all of these prisoners that question and I ask it for you. Do you know who really killed Jesus? Some said the soldiers did it. Some said the Jews did it. Some said Pilate did it. Some said we did it. After there was a time of silence, the prison chaplain simply put his head down and, and gave the answer. He said, his father killed him. I want you to think about that on Palm Sunday. It wasn't the soldiers that killed him. It wasn't the crowd that killed him. It wasn't Pilate that killed him. It was his father. You know where I get the evidence for that? I get the evidence for that in the chapter that we're, that we're researching this morning. Romans chapter 8 verse 32 says this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Listen to that. But gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Isaiah 53 puts it even more directly. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. He, his father, has put on him to grief. Or, or Romans chapter 3, verse 25 says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. This morning, just as, as Abraham, just as Abraham was challenged with the knife, and he lifted the knife over the chest of his son Isaac, but then, but then he was spared, it was spared, and he was able to spare his son because the ram was caught in the thicket. So God lifted the knife over the chest of his only begotten son, Jesus, our Savior. But Jesus was not spared because he was the ram and he was the substitute for all mankind. God did not spare his own son because it was the only way he could spare us and still be a just and a holy God. The guilt of our transgressions, the punishment of our iniquities, the curse of our sin would have, would have brought us to our own destruction this morning. But God did not spare his own son. He gave him up to be pierced for our transgressions and to be crushed for our iniquities, to be crucified for our sins. This morning, this verse in Romans 8.32 is one of the most precious verses in all of the Bible to me because the foundation of all of the Father's grace is embedded right here in Romans chapter eight. All my punishment and all my guilt, all my condemnation, all my blame, all my faults, all my questions have been answered by Jesus' ultimate sacrifice for me so that I can stand someday before a great and holy God, forgiven, reconciled, justified, accepted, and I can be the the beneficiary of unspeakable promises of joy forevermore.
That's why. That's why this morning. Listen, that's why. Times of questioning for me, they should have no residual effect. Jesus has paid it all. On this day, on this Palm Sunday, with all the confusion, with all the questions, with all the speculation, with all the fear, I want to declare to you again, and I want it sounded from the rooftops, Refuge City Church, and all those of you that are watching, Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. It's at the cross, at the cross, at the cross, at the cross, by his blood, by his blood, he paid it all. To continue with the story that I began at the beginning, Billy and Jonah had survived a brush with death that left them battered, broken, cold, wet, lonely, and discouraged. Darkness descended upon the mountain and they couldn't even tell which way to go. They couldn't even see but a few feet in front of them. They could find no way even in their struggling for help, so they just laid alongside the creek bed, freezing and shivering. That's when Billy saw the light. That's when Billy saw the light. He said, what's that? He shouted as he pointed to Jonah's pocket. A strange, soft little glow was emerging from his jacket pocket. Jonah reached down and looked through blurried eyes and wiped the blood and sweat and water from his face and he pulled open his pocket and it was, it was his flashlight. Somehow a cheap flashlight he had packed in his coat had survived a 900-foot plunge down a mountain, a subsequent tumble into a stream, collision with two boulders, and instead of being destroyed, it was simply turned on. The boys took it as a sign. This is from the Lord. We're going to be okay. God's saying, you're going to make it, and I'll show you the way. At 2 a.m. that morning, the boys stumbled into camp and two emergency rescue workers. It took several days in the hospital for Jonah to recover, but he never stopped talking of all the things he'd witnessed about the power of God, about the goodness of God, and about the provision of God in his greatest time of questioning. Wouldn't it be nice if we never had to face another time of questioning in this life. But somewhere along the way, like these young men from Aloha, Oregon, and for all of us right now going through the coronavirus, we need to know this one thing. We need to remember the light that can lead us home. The light that shines so bright for the love of mankind. It's it's the light of the world, and his name is Jesus. Jesus, the light of the world. Because the father of all the universe answered this one question for all mankind through his son Jesus in Romans chapter 8. All other questions this morning can be laid at the foot of the cross. Including the questions surrounding us right now with the coronavirus and what's the world going to look like in the future after its effects. Today, today of all days on Palm Sunday, April 5th, 2020, Let's lay all questions, all anxiety and fear at the foot of the cross and give it all, give it all to Jesus. I want to pray with you this morning. Thank you for being with us today. 
I hope that you have felt the urgency in this message for some of you. For some of you, maybe it's been a long time since you tuned into a church. I want to share with you, just like the prodigal son, just like the prodigal son, the father was waited and was waiting with open arms when he returned. Do not allow, I want you to hear me, especially if you've been away from God and you're just tuning in, I want you to hear this. Do not allow your pride because you chose to walk away from God or you once went to Sunday school or you once were saved or you once knew the Lord. Let me share this with you. Do not allow your pride and your embarrassment. See, a lot of times we get those confused. It's not necessarily fully pride that's holding you back. It's the embarrassment of you not wanting to come back to Christ because then you'll be a hypocrite. I want to declare this and I want you to listen to this simple preacher. Do not allow embarrassment to stop you from eternal glory. Do not allow your pride, do not allow your so-called hypocrisy to stop you from Romans chapter 8 and the adoption of sons and daughters that your Lord and Savior has provided for you. Today, if you're listening and maybe you're one of those, maybe you've never heard anything like this before. Today is the day that in times of questioning, In times of questioning, you can turn to Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. I want to pray with you today, and I want you to pray. If you're at home, if you're sitting there, uh, it doesn't matter if anybody's even sitting around you. If you know that you need to say this prayer, that you need to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, that you need to recommit your life to him, you're not going to let pride, you're not going to let embarrassment, you're not going to let the fact of hypocrisy hold you back from your destiny. Today is the day of grace and mercy and salvation. I urge you, Many of you know how to do it because you've done it once before. Today's the day to recalibrate, to reposition, to get a different perspective. We don't know what the times ahead hold. We don't know all the answers to the question. Is this the end times? It's been the end times for a long time. Is this the beginning of the tribulation? Those are all questions that in time will be answered. But today, right now is the day for your soul, for your future, for your eternal security, for the destiny of where you and maybe your family and friends will go. Let me pray with you this day. Father, I thank you and I praise you this morning. I thank you this morning for these amazing people. Father, many of whom I get to shepherd and pastor and many that are just connecting with us Lord, I thank you for them. I I thank you that today is the day of salvation. I thank you that today, on this day, Palm Sunday, as all of the crowd proclaim, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Father, today is the day that, that we come home. Today's the day that we come back. Today's the day that we don't get all encumbered by the questions of our times, many of which cannot be answered anyway. But there is one question that can be answered. If we don't know you as Savior, we still have time to call upon you and we shall be saved. So I pray this morning in houses, maybe in bedrooms, maybe in vehicles, maybe in backyards, maybe in hotel rooms, Maybe in RVs. Father, there are people that need to just bow their head and say, Lord, give me a different perspective. Lord, let let me be used like I've never been used. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me of those things that's been distractions in my life. Forgive me of the embarrassments 
that's caused me to be separated from you for all this time. I'm coming home, God. I'm coming home, Father. I'm coming home. Be waiting for me. I ask your forgiveness. I'm coming home. In Jesus' name, I pray your blessing over this next week. I pray your blessing over over this coming Holy Week through Passover and Good Friday and our celebration next week. Father, thank you that you sent your only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Thank you for joining us. A special thank you to those of you that give generously to this ministry. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit refugecity.church for more information on how you can become a part of that team. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, you can take a screenshot and share it on your social stories, and make sure to tag us at Refuge City Church. Thanks for listening.